I'm Andrew. I'm one of the student pastors here at Grace Church, and it is my privilege to share in God's Word with you this morning. So if you brought a copy of uh, Scripture with you this morning, we'd invite you to grab that. Turn to the book of John uh, with us. Um, We've been in a series uh, in the book of John now for over a year and a half, but don't go to John chapter 20. Go all the way back to John chapter 1. All right, I got some of you. I got, got you. Yeah, we're, go, we're going, uh, we're taking a little bit of a detour. We thought this would be kind of fun. Um, it's, it's the Christmas season. We are coming into the end zone in our series in the book of John. Uh, last week, we found the empty tomb. The disciples ran. Uh, Mary met her Lord in uh, the garden. It's a, it's a beautiful uh, picture as we, as we come into the end zone and we see how John finishes his recording of the life of Christ in his gospel. Uh, We thought it'd be fun to kind of pull over for a second and go all the way back to the beginning uh, and see how did John start the gospel? Because what we find there is he he did this beautiful poetic prologue uh, to his whole uh, recording. Um, And he outlines what he sees as the major points in the life of Christ. Uh, And kind of combining that with the fact that John chapter 1 is arguably one of the greatest Christmas passages in the Bible. Although many people don't often think of it that way, uh, it, it is wonderful at the Christmas time because it answers the most important questions about Christmas. It answers the question, what, what is Christmas all about? And why should it matter to us today? That's what we find in John chapter 1. So we're going to do, as our custom is together here this morning, I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet uh, to give honor to the reading of God's word. Um, But I'm going to read the first 13 verses, and then I'd like you to join me on verse 14 this morning. So let me kind of start us off. Join me in verse 14 in John chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. And through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world. And though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a a husband's will, but born of God. Now join me in verse 14. The word became flesh. And made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Let's pray together this morning. Lord, I thank you so much for these words, for this account of the story of Christmas. 
God, I ask that as we dig into it now, you would open our hearts and our minds to clearly understand your word and to know what to do with it, God. We give you the praise for these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Um, As I said, I really feel like this is, and I'm not the only one, a lot lot of people, this is one of the greatest Christmas passages ever because it answers that question, what was Christmas all about and and why does it matter to us today? Our our main idea for today, our, our, our big idea, this is the thing that if you just get this and then decide you need to take a nap. I know it's the Christmas season. Everyone's getting stressed out and tired already. Like, that's okay. As long as you get this part. Okay, here's your main idea. If you're taking notes and following along in the sheet, you know, here's the, here's the things for you. In Christmas, okay, in Christmas, we are reminded of who Jesus is, what he came to do, and how we should respond to his story. In Christmas, we're reminded of who he is, what he came to do, and how we should respond to that. And I, and I say in Christmas because it, hopefully you don't just think about Christmas at Christmas, right? Uh, it's it's any time you turn your mind to consider what Christmas is. In Christmas, we're reminded of who Jesus is, what he came to do, and how we should respond to it. And it it's very simple. That's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to answer those three questions, right? Who is Jesus? What did he come to do? And how should we respond to it? And for many of you in the room today, uh, this is going to be very familiar. You, you, you may not hear anything new today. And, and that's okay. That's probably as it should be because the, the story of Christ hasn't changed in 2,000 years and I'm certainly not going to change it today. Okay, so we're just, you can relax. We're all on the same page here. Um, but the reason it's worth reconsidering even if it is only once a year at Christmas time, even if it is, the reason it's worth considering is it's because it's the story that matters. It's the story that matters. Now, if you're like me um, and, and you love Christmas time because I'm, I'm, I'm a big, big Christmas fan, I'm also a big movie guy. I like, I like watching a good movie, okay? So you put those two together. Christmas movie season is here, okay? And I, just, I love Christmas movies. Uh, I'm a big, big fan. I, I have a lot of Christmas movies that I like to watch every year, but, you know, I'm, I'm also a dad of four, so I don't ever really watch a movie uh, at this stage of my life right now. It's always just kind of playing in the background and you catch like little snippets or you have to pause it or put the kids in bed. You know, you know how it goes if you're out there. You're a parent. You don't really watch movies. But when I do, I, every Christmas season, there's a lot of movies I like to watch, but there, there's, there's three that I just have to watch or it doesn't feel like Christmas. It's like the, I got to keep coming back to these three every year. It's, it's, a, it's a wonderful life, okay? That's definitely one I don't sit down and watch every single minute of because it's like a marathon of a movie, okay? It's a wonderful life. Christmas vacation, okay? Um, and uh, a Christmas story, okay? If, if, I don't, if I don't see Clark Griswold grab those two chords and stick them together with the hallelujah chorus go off and all the lights go on and the whole neighborhood gets dark, right? It just doesn't feel like Christmas if Ralphie's not running around shooting his eye out, you know, and um, you don't see, you know, George Bailey questioning everything about his life and whether, whether he did the right thing or whether he was too selfless or too selfish and all. Like, these are the stories of my childhood. These are the stories that mean something to me, right? And, and in them, 
we catch glimpses of truth, of, of real life as it relates to all of us, right? Who hasn't experienced that, that joy of, of, oh, I think there's one more present behind the tree. And, and you get all excited and you open it. The joy of the presents on Christmas morning or the stress of being a dad just trying to create good memories for his kids on Christmas and all that, that entails and questioning, have I done the right things with my life? There are elements of truth in these stories, and, and we enjoy them, and, 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 and we, we share them with each other. We, we pass them around, we watch them on TV. But they're all just shadows of the true story of Christmas. They get, they get little glimpses of it, little, little glints of it. But in this story, we find the truths that matter for life, and it's worth coming back to again and again and asking, does my life reflect these truths? So we're just going to ask those questions. Who is Jesus? What did he come to do? And how does my life uh, live in relation to that? How should I respond to this story? And we'll just jump in on that first one. Who is Jesus? We're going to let these verses we just read together, we're going to let them answer these questions for us. Because again, he outlines what the whole rest of the book is going to explain to us. And it's very simple. Who is Jesus? Jesus is, in these verses, he is identified as the Word of God. The Word of God. Now, um, when, when I was a kid, this was a little confusing for me, okay? I was, I was a confused little, little, little Andrew, okay? And, and, and I struggled with it un, until I had a, uh, a Sunday school teacher uh, explain to me that it's like the word, word, is like a code name for Jesus in this passage. And he, he's like, just, just reread the verses, but substitute the word Jesus in there. And I'm like, oh, I, was, I was like, okay, in the beginning was Jesus, and Jesus was with God, and Jesus was God. He was in the beginning uh, with God. Through him all things were made, and, and so on and so forth. And I was like, oh, wow, now this makes sense. I get it, right? Up until that point, I, I just thought, you know, this was like a, a churchy kind of verse. You know, read it in the old King James, and, and you're like, okay. Y- y'all ever do that where it's like you're reading it, and you're like, yeah, that sounds good. I have no idea what it means, but that's like, that was me, okay? I was, the, I was a confused little kid, and, and I, I didn't get it. And I was confused because John intentionally chose to use this term, the word, to describe and to identify Jesus. And why? Why did he choose to use that word? Well, it's, it's because he's trying to tell us something about Jesus. He's telling us who Jesus really is. He is the word of God. But what does that mean? What does it mean to be the word of God, right? Um, and this is where you got to kind of get into the, the Greek a little bit. You know, Pastor Phil last week uh, shared with us a little Greek lesson as, as a part of our service in the last week. And I want to be cool like him. So we're going to get into the Greek a little bit uh, again this morning, okay? The, the word behind the word, word. You like that? Okay, I love saying word. I'm trying to see how many times I can get it in there. The word behind the word, word, in the Greek is the word logos, okay? Or logos, okay? Kind of similar to our English word word for logo, right? Like that's a logo. That's a Tesla logo. That's a Chevy logo. You know, what, whatever. You, whatever your favorite logo may be. And it actually comes from the same idea. Um, it's, it's simply, it's translated as simply the word word. It's the sayings, the utterances, the expressions. It's thought made into something that comes out of you, right? Something that people can interact with. It's the verbalization of inner thoughts and will and, and desire and all, all that. It's, it's the words, right? The word of God. And John is telling us 
This is who Jesus is. He is the expression of God, the Father. He is the verbalization of God. And, and he does this cool thing that we miss because we're, we're English readers from, from, you know, the year 2023. We, we miss a little bit. In, in that context, John was writing to, to a, a big crowd that was made up mostly of two people groups, okay? You got the uh, Gentiles, which had a Greek and Roman mindset, and you had the Jews, who had this Judaic Hebrew concept of the world, okay? And what he does is he plays to both of the crowds with this one word, okay, in, in, to, the, um, uh, uh, to the Jew, when you say, in the beginning was the word, their mind immediately goes back to Genesis 1-1, part of the Torah that they would have memorized uh, as, a, as a young child, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And how did he do it? How did he do his creation? He spoke it into existence, so when, Paul, when John writes to these Jewish readers and says, in the beginning was the word. They're, the Jewish mind, right back to in the beginning. In the beginning, God created. And how did he do it? He uses words. What was, what was the word? What was the, the power in it? It was Jesus. And to the Greek mind, the Gentile mind sitting there, because of the Roman thought, the, the Greek philosophers and the Stoics of the day, they had this idea of there, there is a, um, they elevated wisdom and knowledge and logic above everything else, right? And they felt like there had to be something out there in the universe, this big ideal that was holding everything together. And they called it the logos, the reason, the logic, the system, the strategy, the soul of the universe was this thing they called the logos. Their idea is there's got to be something holding everything together out there with, with wisdom and knowledge and logic, okay? And, and it's a, it wasn't a personality, but they gave it a deity status, right? They gave it like a personality of its own, but it's actually kind of similar to today, the, the atheists of today with their mechanistic, materialistic understanding of the world where they think that we just got here through math, right? And time and chance uh, that, that that's how we ended up here. It's kind of similar to that. But when they're in the audience and they hear John say, in the beginning was the Logos. And the Logos was with God. And God was the Logos, right? When, when he's saying that to them, they go, oh, he's talking about the Logos. He's talking about the reason. He's talking about the thing that holds us all together. And John's like, yes, I am. What you're thinking about and what you're thinking about Jews and Gentiles and Greeks, it's the same it's Jesus. This is the person we're going to talk about. The representation of God, his will, his, um, his, his intention, his expression is Jesus. Jesus is the word of God. And if, you, and if you parse out, you know, the whole rest of the chapter, that becomes very clear, okay? Because he starts talking about him, he, the son, and then, you know, John testifies about him. And, and you, you put it all together, and you go, oh, he's talking about Jesus. And he's like, yeah, that's right. We're going to spend the whole rest of the book talking about Jesus, right? And we spent the last year and a half pulling out all of the ways that John talks about Jesus and lays out his ministry, but specifically, in these uh, couple of verses here, we, we learn four things about the Logos, okay? The, four things about Jesus. I'm going to kind of hit these kind of quick here. First of all, we see that he was pre-existent in the beginning. He was there. He was there at the beginning. Again, 
confused little Andrew um, at one time in his life thought that Jesus came into existence on Christmas, right? He, he was born and that was like his start. No, <laughs> no, he is part of the Godhead. This is part of the Trinity. That's, you know, this very complicated thing that we're not going to spend too much time talking about today uh, because that, nobody really understands it. Certainly not me, okay? But it's, it God always has been, always is, and always will be. Jesus is God. Jesus always has been, always is, and always will be, right? He, it's this three-in-one thing, and it didn't start at Christmas. At Christmas, Jesus stepped into his creation. So yes, it's the start of his humanness, his taking on the form and likeness of man on Christmas Day. But he existed. He's pre-existent. So right, right there we say, in the beginning was the word. He was there. He's always been there. We're going back to the beginning this morning. Um, not only was he pre-existent, he was alongside of God. He was with God. Again, he's distinct from God. He is his own person, but he is alongside him. But not only is he alongside him, the very next statement, he was God. And actually in, in the Greek again, because Greek is Yoda-ish, okay, the way it does its order of like subject, verb, object, like all, all that, like it, it actually, in the Greek it says, God was the word. Okay, we translate it to make it a little, make more sense in the English language. Um, and the word was with God and the word was God, right? God, word, same thing. Trinity, I don't fully understand it, but it changes everything when you understand who Jesus is. And then finally, the last thing we see here in, in just these couple verses is that he is the agent of creation, the word, Jesus Christ the agent of creation. He is the one who started it all. Nothing was made that has been made without him. He is the one at the, the source and the origin of all life as we know it. And man, that makes a big difference in your worldview and your perspective on, on, on this life that you're in. Do you believe that you are here on purpose, for a purpose? You, little old you, are part of God's master plan of creation. Or do you think you're here as the product of random chance and time? That, man, th those two, it doesn't get much different than that. It doesn't get much different in the way now we're going to treat each other, the way we're going to treat ourselves. Where do you fall into that? John says pretty clearly, this is Jesus. He's the word of God made flesh. So what does all that mean? What does it mean to be the word of God? It means he's, he's that expression, the living expression and representation of the will of God and of his thoughts and decrees. He, Jesus, is God's logo, okay? He's the representation. When you see Jesus, you see God. When you hear him speak, you're hearing God speak. When you see him act, you're seeing God act. When he talks to you, it's God talking to you. This is Jesus. He is the logos, the God, the creator, the sustainer, the everything. All through it, this is him. And he took on flesh so that we can understand God. He is God in the way that we can understand. And we see this played uh, out throughout the book of John, this, this unity with the Father. In John 4, uh, Jesus said, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. So what's his will? What's Jesus' will? It's to do the work of the Father. 
My will is his will. That's what Jesus said. Secondly, in John 5, uh, he says, Very truly, I tell you, the son can do nothing by himself. He can do only what he sees his father doing because the father does what the father does. The son does also. So all of his actions are from the Father, an imitation and, and extension of the Father. In John 10, he says, I and the Father are one, one with the Father. And John 12, he says, I do not even speak on my own, but the Father who sent me commanded me to say all that I have spoken. This is Jesus. He is the Word of God. The explanation of the Father. We don't have time to go there this morning, uh, but if you want a little bonus, you know, extra credit work here, go read Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 through 20. It kind of puts this all together in a, a slightly different context, and it, the, the imagery and words it uses is beautiful. Go check it out sometime on your own. But this is just, who is he? He is the Word of God. So what did he come to do? If he's the word of God, if he's the one that's going to explain God to us, if he's the one who's going to express God to us in a way we can understand in flesh, what did he come to do? Well, it tells us, says, uh, he, he came to bring life. Jesus brought life. This is verse four. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. This is Christmas. This is the light stepping into the dark world. He, his life, was the light humanity needs. And John uses that term light uh, very intentionally, and he uses it all throughout the rest of the book of John. We don't have time to flesh it all out, but uh, as you look through the book of John, you see this concept, this imagery of light coming up. And we understand the, the idea of light carries a lot of ideas in it. Light always reveals things. It brings understanding about things, right? It shows the way forward. You know, we all, we all know that experience of trying to make our way through a dark room and, you know, stubbing our toe on every little thing along the way. You flip on a light switch. Oh, now I can see where I'm going. Light reveals things to us. Um, light can also be kind of harsh, Right? Yeah, yeah. The light comes on, everyone goes, ah! You know, one of my perverse little pleasures that I have is up in our junior high room. Uh, sometimes we'll watch a video up there. Like, we'll show, like, a little video as, like, an illustration or something like that. And one of my favorite things to do is to stand at the back of the room as the video is ending and all the lights are off and everything. I stand right. And as soon as the video is done, I flip the light switch on. And they all go, ah! Like, they're all, they're all blind. I'm like, ha-ha. <laughs> Turn the light on when you weren't expecting it. And I love it. Every time. Gets the same, same uh, reaction every time. So, light can be harsh. Light, focused, can burn away all things that are not light, right? Light can be kind of harsh in our lives. And the light of Christ certainly can be as well. But light is also comforting. It's warming, all right, I'll never forget, um, I, was, I was in uh, my third or fourth year of college. Uh, it, was at, it was at a school in, in northeastern Pennsylvania. And I'm convinced that the two darkest, gloomiest, um, rainy uh, areas uh, in the continental U.S. are Seattle, Washington, and Clark Summit, Pennsylvania. Okay, like those are the two, those are the two areas that are just, just dark. And I think like 70 to 75% of the time that I was there during the school year, it was cold and gloomy, like gray skies. Everything was overcast. And it 
was either snowing or raining, okay? Like 70, 75% of the time. Uh, and it was just, just miserable, okay? And uh, I, I grew up like half an hour from there, so it wasn't anything new to me. It's just, but like look, looking back on it now, I'm like, oh, that's why I was like that all the time, right? So my, we, uh, the, my, my senior year there, January, uh, it snowed all of January. It snowed all of February. March, it just rained the whole thing, but it was still only like 40, 45 degrees the whole time, right? So the end of March, the first weekend of April comes around, and I go on a uh, tour with a, with a choir group uh, from my school for our spring break. We went on tour, and we went south, okay? So I fell asleep on the bus, okay? Got, got on the bus in the dark, gloomy, whatever. Fell asleep on the bus, get, get to our location, um, get, get out, get told to go in and go to sleep. We go, we go in and go to sleep, and I wake up the next morning, and I step out the front door of our host home in sunny Tennessee, Okay, and I just went from dark, gloomy, um, rainy, cold, whatever, and I step out into the glorious, like, 65, 70 degree weather, and I just stood there, and I was like, ah. That sun, that light is just warming. I felt like a new person. My, my sinuses all cleared up like instantaneously and I was able to like think clearly and it, it, was, it was great. It was a beautiful moment. I was like, I get it. I get why snowbirds are a thing, okay? I, I get why, why people vacation down in the South. I, I get it because it, light is a warming thing. It gets all the way down to your soul and just like happy, makes you happy. Like it just gladdens you, Right? Light carries all of those thoughts. It reveals. It can be harsh. It can be warming and, and, and life-giving uh, to, to people. This is Christ stepping into the world. He is the light that humanity needed in a physical sense, but in a spiritual sense, right? Um, he shone in the darkness. He shone in the darkness. And we, I, I don't need to spend time today convincing you that it's a dark world that we live in today. It was then when he stepped into it, and it still is today. Um, but John tells us that the light cannot be overcome by the darkness. The darkness cannot, cannot defeat the light. And this is setting up what we're going to see in the whole rest of the book of John, what we've been seeing in the last year and a half, this constant conflict between Jesus and the world that he stepped into, where, where his truth, the, and, and as he represented God's character to the world, people coming up against him, and the, and the conflict and the fights uh, over understanding God and over the living out of a holy life, uh, all those things were coming together again and again, and it eventually, you know, uh, culminates in his death. Right? He's, he's giving foreshadowing of that right here in chapter one. John is giving that foreshadowing. It's coming. It's, the darkness is going to try to overcome the light, but it can't. It cannot defeat the light. And uh, that's where we are in our series right now. I won't spend more time on it right now. Finally, he says that the light is for everyone. The light is for everyone. He came in. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. That's verse nine. And I'll just simply say, Christianity is not an exclusive club, okay? Our, the light of Christ that we have is for everyone. We're not an exclusive club. We are an inclusive outreach organization that's trying to rescue the world, okay? We're trying to, we're trying to bring light to everybody. So that's what he came to do. He came to bring life and light to all man, and that's a spiritual objective and goal, but it's also, it has very practical implications as well. So how, how should we respond to it? Now that we know Jesus is the word, he came to bring life and light, what should we do with that? Well, I'll give you, I'll give you all three right here um, because we see in verse 10 through 13, the negative. All right, let me, let me read that real quick. Verse 10, he was in the world through, and though the world was made through him, the world did not 
recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. How should we respond to the truth of the Christmas story of who Jesus is, what he came to do? We must recognize him and we must receive him so that we can be reborn in him. We can become children of God. And this, this calls out, you know, two chapters later when Nicodemus comes to him in the darkness of the night and says, what must I do to be saved? And what does he say? He says, you must be born again. You need to let my light and life come into your life and change you from the inside out. Brothers and sisters, guests this morning, it's very simple. What do we do with the story of Christmas? We have to decide what we believe is true about Christ. We have to decide, do, do I think he is the representation of my creator, my God? Do, am I willing to place my faith in him and let his light and life come into my life and change me from the inside out? Do I want to move out of darkness into light? It's a, it's a very simple question. And, it, and if you're here this morning and you haven't made that choice, I would, I would encourage you to think about that. Who, what do you think is true about Jesus? And are you, are you willing to step into his light? And if you want to do that today, we would love to talk to you. Any, any one of our pastors, just someone sitting around you, just grab them and be like, hey, I, I want that thing that they, he was talking about. We'd, we'd love to talk to you about that. But you don't even need to talk to us. You can just talk to God. You just say, Father, I believe, I believe you're there. I believe you created me. I believe you made me. I want you in my life. I want your life. I want your light. I, I, I want you to come in and save me. And, and make me one of your children. He will. And again, we'd love to help you with that process, but just talk to him. But here's, here's the thing. I think most of us in this room, um, by, by nature of, of being churchgoers and, and, and Christians, most of us have probably already made that decision. So what do we do with this truth? Well, I want, I want to call you to something very specific that he says in here. He, he says we have to be born again. We have to be reborn as a new person. The mistake we often make is we treat Christmas and the message of Christmas like a once-a-year thing. Right? We come to Christmas in December and we marvel at it. We go, oh, Christmas is so great. It's the special. It's the reason for the season is Jesus. Right? And we marvel and we, we go to the Christmas music performances and we, we go to church on Christmas Eve or whatever and we, we raise our hands and we sing the songs and, and we're like, yes, God is awesome. Now I'm going to go do the rest of my life. Right? And, and I'll move on. Some of us are a little bit more holy than that, right? We're a little bit more right with God. And we come every Sunday and we do that, right? And we show up on a Sunday morning and we go, we go, God's awesome. I believe he's there. You know, thank you. Thank you. You're awesome. All right, I'm gonna go do my own thing now. Is that a new life? Is that being born again as a child of God? No, that's easy believism. That's just saying, yeah, I, th I, th I think there's a God out there and he's cool and I'm, I'm cool with him, right? I hope he's cool with me. You know, like that's, that's, that's that. There is a big difference between saying, yes, I believe there's a God out there and I'm, I'm glad he's there. There's a big difference between saying that and saying, yes, I believe there's a God out there. I believe Jesus is God and he is my God. 
Because as soon as you say he's my God, something changes. He now has authority in your life. You now live life in relationship with him. And you now start to live like Christ. You are now the little Christ. You are now the little logos that are walking around the world explaining God to humanity. You are now out there bringing his life and his light to all in your world, in your corner of the world. You seek out the darkness. You seek out the ignorance. You seek out, if someone doesn't know God, explain him to them. Be Jesus to them. That's what it means to have the life of Christ flowing through you. This is the story of Christmas. Not that just there was a baby born and angels sang and there was a manger and something about sheep and like, and cool, happy feelings. Now I get to do whatever I want. No, the story of Christmas is God stepped into the world to change your life. And he wants you to be able to live your life in his light and bring life and light to all in your world. And that's carrying the spirit of Christmas all year round. And that's the thing that I'm going to ask you to consider for yourself. Are you willing to recognize who Jesus is, to receive him in your life and be reborn in him? This is the story of Christmas. It's who Jesus is, what he came to do, and how we should respond to it. If you want to talk about any of this, I'll be down here, down front, uh, after the message. We'd like you to consider this for yourself today. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you so much for sending your son to earth to be that representation of you to us, to explain you to us. God, help us to become these kind of people who have been reborn, who can live life in you, for you, through you, that we can bring your light and life to all you've placed in our world. God, help us to understand these things and give us the courage to do them. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.